talking shop. Hell yeah. Gotta love it. Uh, I don't even know how I was going to start this one. I didn't want to do it with the Epstein again. I am Joe B. That is Uncle Randy. This is Throwing Smoke. And today we have Rob McDojo Life himself on screen. First guest. This is episode 10. We're still new, baby. Just getting our under the ropes, if you will. Just getting a feel for what we want to do. Him and I are both huge fans. We've done a couple of buddy beatdowns, if you will, fight companion style, uh, watching great fights go down. And we just love the sport. We like to talk about it and have fun. But we know your page from Rogan. Uh, and then seeing all the videos you do and doing research, you, sir, are pretty fucking badass. I was watching your skills with some nunchucks. Dog. <laughs> It's like, yeah, damn, all right, all right, all right. So not just are you a fan about it, you know what it is, which is great because then you know what you're talking about and when you're calling people out. So for those that don't know, McDojo Life, please explain your page. Oh, well, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, I call out fakes, frauds, and phonies in the martial arts. The ultimate goal is keeping martial arts legitimate. Um, there's a lot of people out there who are con artists, who uh, scam people, child molesters, um, you know, people who uh, will rip you off financially, people who will teach you stuff they just made up. Um, you know, there's no regulating body for the martial arts. There's no like one group, you know, like if you want to be a plumber, right? <laughs> you have to be a certified plumber. Sure. There's like a group that yeah. says, hey, you're not good enough to clean that dirty trap until yeah. you pass this and that and that. Well, <laughs> martial arts isn't that way, unfortunately. Like if I just wanted to open up Rob's All You Can Eat Chinese food emporium and martial arts studio. I mean, <laughs> I could do that tomorrow and then nobody would keep me in check. Nobody. And, and then everybody's like, yo, we should just go beat them up. What happens if they just say no? <laughs> like, you think they're just going to agree to fighting you? Like, no. And then you meditated assault and battery, brother. Now you got jail time. So, you know, well, it's, so it's deeper was, than most people think. That was my first question for you. I've always wondered. So, somebody, anybody random could open up, you know, Joby's karate and and wrestling academy and mm. if he offers belts it's okay he can just give belts that don't mean shit he can do whatever he wants there's no what's there's like i said there's no regulating body so martial arts and as a whole for what thousands of years now yeah. has been a self-regulating body um which is a beautiful thing and most of the time right it's like uh you know, you see somebody across the street, you put them in check. You go, hey, man, like what you're doing is wrong or you you let your other customers know. The problem along the years is that people started to treat it like if I just do the best I can do for myself and my students, then those guys will go away. But the stigma right. is, is either a really good martial artist, but a terrible businessman or a really good businessman, a terrible martial artist. Well, if you're a good businessman, a terrible martial artist, your business will grow. If you're a good martial artist but a terrible businessman, no one will remember who you are in 10 years. So mm -hmm. you might teach the best students, but because you didn't learn about advertising, you thought money was a bad thing, which most people do. They're like, oh, making too much money or asking too much for uh, tuition is a bad thing. Well, those are the type of things that allow these frauds to flourish over the years is because they got good at business. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. everybody else looked down upon business like it was like the plague. Well, I'm sorry to tell you what's going to happen is the guy across the street who's ripping people off. You're not doing anything about it. You're just kind of bending over and taking it and just saying, you know what? My martial art is good enough to beat him up. I'm telling you, there's more to this game than just beating people up. And once that ego starts to seep in and it starts to become a mainstream thought like it truly is now, 
um, that's when good martial artists lose business. That's when bad martial artists gain business, you know, because the, the thoughts are askew, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I've always, what I thought was interesting is when I got into jujitsu and MMA, it's probably when most people did. It was right around when Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner fought and right, it right. exploded. Right. And I was, you know, a few years out of college, I was out of shape, and a bunch of my buddies in Huntsville, Alabama, were training under John Sturgis at Sturgis MMA. And John is, was a fantastic coach, great fighter uh, in his own right. And it was all no gi, there wasn't belts. You know, you did jujitsu basic, you know, you learned how to pass guard and choke and, you know, grapple, but it was like a, everybody did that. And we fought in like little local, like extreme combat international was one of the companies out of Huntsville, Alabama. My friend founded that Scott Jennings. And, um, you know, I've got actually some guys that did really well. Josh Hall is one of my good buddies. I've, I've had him on my show. He fought on ultimate fighter against Matt Brown. And to yeah. get into the house, and he lost, uh, he gassed in the third round. But so some of those created re actually really good fighters, but they never even belted. And now I wonder if those, because those were kind of like the Wild West days, but is that a red flag to you now? Like if you look at places that like don't belt and all that shit, or, or how do you go about it? I mean, the heart, like I think I saw one time online, an article that said a hundred signs that you're in a McDojo. Like that's a, that's a lot of signs, right? So <laughs> I mean, the truth is, is like everybody has their different opinions of what is and what is not legitimate. Sure. So, you know, my, I, I tried to break it down into five very simple rules because they apply to everything. Um, no matter what it is, uh, you know, like, um, so that way it makes it easier because like some people they'll look at somebody who has patches all over their gi, right? And if it's karate, they'll be like, that's bullshit. He got way too many patches on looking like a goddamn son of a bitch, looking like he's got tattoos all over his gi, looking ridiculous. But then other people are like, if you look, take that exact same thing and you show them somebody who's a high-level competitor in jiu-jitsu who's got also patches all over his gi, their their tune would change. So it's, mm -hmm. hip, it's hypocritical. You know, it's like, well, they're allowed to do it, but they're not. And mm -hmm. this person's allowed to do it, but they're not. And Taekwondo, they give out black belts in like two years. That's ridiculous. But then we go ahead and we're going to give BJ Penn his black belt in two or three, yeah. right? No, it's yeah. okay because he's BJ Penn. It's like you got to pick one, man. Yeah, like, sure. is it good or is it bad? So in my opinion, I think that just over the last 22 years of being in the martial arts and trying to figure out what is and what is not legitimate just for my own sake, I, I really have kind of boiled it down to five things that I feel are the most important rules to live by not guidelines like belt systems or guidelines sure you know um but there there are certain things we shouldn't tolerate no matter what style or system or who's our instructor um and those things are tolerated way too much in my opinion what made you look at as you were going through uh, training through the 22 years go enough is enough people people should know about this shit well i had a weird conversation to be honest <laughs> like i was uh i was uh teaching uh uh, jiu-jitsu class so i've been doing jiu-jitsu for a while uh, at the time i was like a blue belt coach and i was like just happened to be substituting one day for like a noon class and i was like yeah i'll teach some basic stuff you know so everybody in there was like a white or blue belt they was like brand new and then so after the class we all started sitting around we were shooting the crap and then we started talking about mcdojo somebody else had brought it up and that term's been around forever um you know if you've been in the martial arts the term's been around forever but 
we started sitting around talking and then, you know, we had this conversation for a while and then everybody left except for one dude. And he was really, really new. He had never done any martial arts before. He was like in his thirties and he just, he came up to me and he goes, you know, I'm a little embarrassed to ask, but I'm new to this. And you guys have been talking for like the last hour about what what a McDojo is. He goes, what is that? I've never really heard that term before. And so I explained to him what I thought a McDojo was. And then he turned to me and he said something that kind of just made me replay that question over and over again, which was, why doesn't anybody do anything about that? And then so I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is a good question. Why doesn't somebody do anything about that? And so the only thing I could really tell him, which has been pretty much a standard truth, is there's no regulating body to this. You know, it's kind of like self-regulating. But then I started thinking, I was like, you know, I don't think that there should be a regulating body, in all honesty. I don't think that I should be that. I don't think that anybody should be that. Because once you start making some organization above everything, then it corrupts, you know, and then all of a sudden something becomes way more political. I don't like that, man. I just I just think that you shouldn't rape kids, you know. I don't think that we should allow that behavior. I don't think that we should allow the safety of our students to be hindered because of some instructor's ego. You know, I don't I, I, I look at these things, the, the things that annoy me the most. And I just think about how incredibly dangerous and ridiculous they are. Like, uh, you know, some one was uh, Marie Claire, Marie Claire, the calendar, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. a website or whatever. Big name. Right. So they put out a video of a lady teaching like five or six techniques on self-defense. And that lady straight up admitted, admitted that she knew nothing about martial arts, not a damn thing. And that she made the shit up. Meanwhile, you put it online, you put a big name with it, like a Marie Claire, and then all of a sudden, all of these women are looking at this like it's the gospel. And then they start practicing it with each other, and they start thinking that, man, maybe if I go take a self-defense class for a weekend, I can get better at this. And that's just a fucking lie. You're not going to be good at something in two days, three hours of it. You have to practice, and you have to get better at anything that you do. It's not – same thing with, like, tying your shoes. I wasn't like, boom, shoes tied, first time, I'm the best. <laughs> I had to practice so I got good at it, you know? So it's yeah. just – that false insecurity is just terrifying to me. Say to Rob. He does jiu-jitsu. This is going to say to Rob. Say to Hi. Rob. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good night, buddy. He's going to bed. I just want to, <laughs> he always does that. Dude. Get out of here. Uh, that's Gunner. He's the one that trains at Gracie Baja. <clears throat> but, well, I was going to say to you, you're absolutely right. Where where I think it's the most dangerous is anybody. If you're treat if you're teaching them fa- a false sense of security for self defense, like that, if you touch a pressure point with the, a chop just right on the neck, per- they're going to be disabled. I mean, that you're going to get somebody killed or, or hurt. Yeah, it's 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 scary stuff. And like over the years, how I how I've kind of tried to explain it to people, it seems to make the most sense is like a public swimming pool. So like it, let's say we're all hanging out like I'll be karate, your jujitsu, your MMA, you know, Aikido's in there. He's got floaties, you know, he's <laughs> weird, but he's our weird. He's a part of our weirdness. He's yeah. cool. Right. And then you got like Muay Thai and everybody's in there hanging out in the pool. Well, then all of a sudden, let's say somebody like a George Dillman walks up to the side of the pool. Well, what is he going to do? Okay, well, he starts peeing into the pool, not <laughs> peeing in the pool while he's in the pool, mind you. He's standing outside of the pool, peeing into it. We can all see this. And what would you normally do? Normally, what you would do is you would look at that guy and say, dude, stop. Gross, right? Yeah. But for some reason, the martial arts community doesn't think this way. What they do is they go, well, you know what? I'm just going to work with my kids in the pool and I'm going to teach them to swim the best they can. And that guy will just go away. And then next thing you know, 
does that actually happen? Hell no. <laughs> Here come the Bujin Khan ninjutsu people, and they go, oh, man, Dilma's peeing in the pool? We're allowed to do that? All right, well, let's go. They start peeing in the pool, too. Well, what's going to happen is one or two things going to happen. One, we're all going to be stupid idiots, sit in that, and just take it. Yeah. All right? Yeah, yeah. We have this, we'll just leave them be mentality. Or two, we're going to say something to them. Right. Those are the options. Those are the only options that you have. Right. If you don't say anything, you have to eventually get out of the pool and it belongs to them. All because when it got started, people were like, oh, well, we'll just let it slide, I guess. Why? Why would you let that slide? You know, it just blows my mind. And, you know, I don't think that we should like allow I don't think we should dojo storm. I've never been a dojo storm guy. That if people say that, it just cringes me because that's why I don't really post a lot of these people's information. It's because that doesn't help anything. <laughs> like, like anti-smoking campaign. If I punch the president of Marlboro in the face, that's not going to stop people from smoking. That's going to get me arrested, you yeah. know. But if you run a campaign like the Truth Campaign, where you're just giving out information every day, over and over and over again, then maybe if you do that enough, the next generation that's growing up grows up seeing that that is utter garbage. And they don't join that. And that's really the ultimate goal. It's it's a long game. It's not like something that could be cured overnight because it, it hasn't been taken care of overnight. It's been allowed to fester for years. You know, and, thing where yeah. I yeah. Think you can actually like see the fruits of like your labor and and rogue and people that are calling out uh, falsehoods was the story that we were talking about from uh, John uh, Stowe that I revisited on your page. Uh, just kind of to fill everybody in if they haven't seen that he was kind of opening i think taekwondo dojos all across the country collecting people signing them up to like life term contracts Mm. then closing the dojo moving across the country opening a new one after he files bankruptcy and under a different not held liable anymore yeah and it was a mother that had took her son and signed him up and saw his he wouldn't say his last name but saw it on he of course like you're talking about all the patches he had his freaking name emblazoned on his black belt and that's what she used and Googled him, couldn't find it, and then found all the bad shit about his uh, actual background. Yeah. It's, Maybe it gets people to look at that kind of shit. I think it's awesome. You know, like I think another thing that the martial arts community is missing more than anything else to me is one, we got to break the stigma of making money as a bad thing. I mean, we really have to sure. like, it's just the truth because what's going to happen is all these great instructors are, they're going, they're going bankrupt. Their, their businesses are failing and then they're no longer able to go out there and teach anymore because they can't afford it. You know? Right. So like, I don't understand the process because when you're growing up through the martial arts rankings, you have an instructor, your sensei, your Sifu, your professor, your master, whatever they're called. Right. And you look up to that person and you take the advice and you strive the best you can to be one tenth as good as they are. Usually, if you have a good instructor, right? Well, why is it that whenever we start opening up these martial arts businesses, we don't have the same mentality? We don't go, you know what? I don't know as much about this as I should. I need a business mentor to help guide me in a good direction so I can continue to teach something that's really important to me and help people for the rest of my life and help them for their life. But they don't think that way. And then they fail. You know, but the other thing is, I think that there are all these different industries like Maya, the Martial Arts Industry Association. You have NAPMA, North American Martial Arts, something, something, blah, blah, blah. All right. So you have all these different like associations to help the martial arts instructor get students and keep students, which is awesome. Right. But there's none of that. There's no Angie's list for martial arts. It doesn't <laughs> exist. So like for the consumer, 
there is no guide for the consumer. So like the scenario that I always play out is like, let's say a grandmother hears that her son wants to take martial arts lessons. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe she doesn't have any experience whatsoever. And then she goes and she goes, you know what? I'm just going to go and sign him up. And then that'll be his Christmas present. Speaking of which, we're right around the corner. And so, which I got my first martial arts lessons as a birthday present. So it's not that far. (laughs) So, you know, then the grandmother is like looking online. She goes, oh, I see. Yeah, I know what Tai Chi is. Tai Chi (laughs) sounds about right. You know, it's kind of like the grandma, like buying Pacific Coast instead of Pacific Rim. You know, you got the rated <laughs> movie because you didn't quite understand what you were looking yeah, at. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's be the same thing. <laughs> but that's that's exactly what it goes on. And so these people fall into these these sales tactics and they get caught in these gyms that they don't necessarily want to be in. But then by that time, it's really easy to manipulate people to get them to stay. So, you know, it's kind of scary. But I mean, with some of them, how do you not see what they're doing as far as it comes to the chi? Like, I, dude, I'm a huge fan of Dragon Ball Z. I wish that I could shoot energy blast all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm messing around with my kid. But to actually see people practice, like they're stopping, I'm going to disarm you with your gun by just waving my hand and saying, <laughs> these, these aren't the droids that you're looking for. How do you not see that as an adult and go, all right, now, now it's bullshit? Well, so I I, I get this question a lot. Something I've really thought about a lot, right? So it doesn't start that way. And you're manipulated like this. So am I. All of us are. We're manipulated like this every day. It's just in subtle ways. So for instance, you go to the grocery store, right? You got done with your shopping. All of a sudden, you're at the checkout line. You're putting all your stuff on there. And then you look up. What do you see? Uh, you got chips, gum, all kinds chip, of gum, candy. Yeah. When you pick that up and you buy that, was that your idea? No, definitely impulse. <laughs> right. But at the time, you're like, man, that's such a good idea. Yeah. Well, there's a reason that that was put there. Psychologically, you were hungry because you just got done being around a lot of food. So they give you something quick access so that you would get it. And it's right there and you can just grab it. Right. We're manipulated like this all the time. Like, how many different political parties are there? Uh, well, really just two no there mm-hmm. are hundreds of different public affiliation or oh, affiliation sure, but what we're parties, told right? is two but because you're only really kind of given the two options right then you feel so obligated to pick one or the other again not your idea mm-hmm. i like guns and weed to be honest so <laughs> yeah, everybody does like you know um but you know like there is no guns and weed party unless you're a third party right it's like you have to be on the left or the right no you don't you're just right. manipulated that way. Absolutely. Well, now in terms of actual martial arts, I, this is some not a uh, little piece of nugget I like to give out for free. Um, just as somebody who's done a lot of consulting work to help people grow their martial arts studios, there is something called the five objections, and this is how you get anybody to sign up at your studio. I guarantee you, if you actually pay attention to this, you'll have a seventy-five percent sign-up rate. That's it's high, but it's true. Seventy-five percent of people who walk through your door will sign up. So the five objections are. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I need to talk to my spouse. I have to think about it or it's too far away. Mm-hmm. Those are the five objections. And people were rarely saying no. In the last 22 years of me being in this business, I think I've heard somebody say no to signing up on a contract maybe five times ever. They usually don't say no because we don't cold call people. They come to us. They already mm-hmm. wanted the product we were selling. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us to mess up the sale. So when somebody walks to the door, easy way to get started. I'll have them signed up by the time they leave, I promise. 
They walk in the door. I say, hey, my name's Rob. What's your name? Oh, Steve. Steve, nice to meet you. Where are you coming from, home or work? Oh, my. well, I live right around the corner. Boom. Objection number one taken care of. Yeah. He did not know. I just manipulated him. He can't tell yeah. me now later on. It's too far away. He cannot right. tell me that because he nope. just told me he works right or he lives right around the corner. And I go, all right, well, that's awesome, man. Like, hey, I live right around there, too. And we're just shooting the shit, right? We're just talking. And then all of a sudden I say something like, um, oh, cool. Well, how long have you been thinking about doing this? You know, man, I've been thinking about doing something like this for like six years. I go, man, six years. That is awesome. Now you can't tell me you need to think about it. You've been thinking about it for six years. Yeah. Right. And I go, yeah. okay, that's cool. So six years, why are you doing this? Well, I need to lose some weight. Well, you know, that's a pretty tough undertaking. Do you have the, you know, the support of your family? And they go, yeah, man, my wife is all about it. Boom. Now you can't tell me you have to talk to your spouse. So now I've only had two other things to get rid of. Right. Yep. <laughs> right? So now we were left with money and we're left with time. Time is the easiest one to get rid of because whenever they sign up, you go, all right, well, cool. Well, how long do you think it's going to take for you to reach your goals? They go, I don't know, probably like six months to a year. Okay, that's fair enough. Six months to a year sounds good. Well, how often will you be coming to reach those goals? Well, at this point, they're not thinking about signing a contract. At this point, they're thinking about reaching their goals. So mm -hmm. when they tell you, man, I could be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. All right, cool. Now you can't tell me you don't have the time. Yeah. Now the final thing, the money thing. The money thing is probably one of the easiest things to get rid of, right? The easiest thing to do, to handle. All you have to do is provide a higher price point and then by the time they go to sign up, you give them the option for a lower price point. For instance, if I say something like, hey, man, you can sign up next week. Uh, but if you sign up today, I'll waive our registration fee. Well, how much is the registration fee? 150 bucks. You know, oh, shit. Next week is going to be 150 bucks more. Yeah. But if you sign up today, I'll give you 150 bucks off. Is that cool? Or I give them two options and I say, which one's best for you? Yeah. And, you know, so all of this is actually easy manipulation that most people who own martial arts studios just don't understand. Now, is this a bad thing to do to somebody? No, as long as you're not high pressure, right? Mm -hmm. As long as your best interests are their best interests. Yep. Now, the moment you're getting, you're using these tactics to sign them up for something that is a little bit more ill intent, mm -hmm. then you're manipulating people for the bad. But if I do that same crap and I help somebody lose 60 pounds and save their life, do they care that I did that? probably yeah, happy yeah. to save their life yeah. so well no and that's what's funny that's so true you know i want everybody to know when they uh download this episode or listen to it that is 100 percent truth when i went into to gracie baja which everybody knows i'm a huge promoter i love them very family oriented play i can't say enough good things but just hearing you say that the the money tactic because i'm I'm a tight ass. Like so it was my, <laughs> my issue when I was talking to him about signing up my son and uh, I got basically that same thing. But what it was, was if we sign you up now, we'll get his first gi. you know, we'll go ahead and cut it, which is like 150 bucks, you know, yeah. and that was the closer, which they have no ill will. And, you know, I don't have a problem with people using those are, you know, basically those five keys are sorted in business. So, you know, you can use that in any business. Mm -hmm. And uh, sales 101, you yeah. know, but that's that's why so many martial arts studios fail that I could probably sit here and talk about all the different pillars of how to grow a martial arts studio. Right. Build your community. How is your social media doing? How is your retention rate? How is your student sign up rate? What are the numbers that you're pulling in in terms of new leads? What's your conversion rate from new lead to sign up? Like there's a lot of different things that you could sit there and you could do forever. I mean, are you doing birthday right. parties? Are you not doing birthday parties? How big is your kid's program? How, what's your conversion rate 
to get your parents to sign up who already, if you already have kids in the program, how, what's the numbers for that? So there's so many different numbers that people don't think about. Yeah. And so what happens is they just open up a martial arts studio and they go, you know what? I think I'll just open up a studio and my martial arts will be good enough. No, <laughs> you can make the best damn pie in the world, right? The most delicious apple pie on the planet. But if you just cook it and set it on your counter and don't let anybody else know about it, nobody's buying it. It's true. Well, I wanted to, you touched on something earlier, and this just is funny because it's so true. We were talking about belt systems and, you know, BJ Penn getting his black belt in two years, the prodigy. But do you have a feeling on, like, does that throw up your radar if it's too quick? Because the reason I say that is with my my son, these are where I have the most examples with belt systems are my two boys. Yeah. And they were pretty honest with me at Gracie Baja from the jump. Because, of course, I'm like any dad. I'm like, oh, you know, when could he be a, a black belt? And they were like, you know, if he starts at three, when he's 18 or 19. Yeah. You know, and I was like, damn. But that's, yeah, that's like the IBJJF standard, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, it's but that's I would rather that than them tell me, you know, hey, if he comes here a lot, a year. Because, you know, I think it's I'd rather the honesty up front, but. I don't know every all the other martial arts. I'm really only experienced with jujitsu. <clears throat> but so if you if somebody can fly to a black belt real quick, does that make you look at them a little more or make you want to check them out? Uh, see, the belt system isn't something I usually pick on, to be honest. Like mm -hmm. it's not one of the rules or standards for me, as long as they're upfront and honest. Mm -hmm. Because like what is and what is not a black belt truly is interpretive. So like to one person, you know, being able like being able to be a black belt in two years to them, they're a black belt. Like, for instance, everybody starts martial arts for a different reason. Some people start martial arts because they have social anxiety. Mm -hmm. <laughs> get my ass beat every day in school. <laughs> Some people start martial arts because they want to lose weight. Some people start martial arts because they need a mentor. And some start because they want to fight. Some start because they want to learn self-defense, even though they don't want to be a fighter. There's so many different reasons to really start. It's just a social activity. And some people want to do it instead of going to the gym. I don't blame them. Way more fun to choke somebody than lifting weights, in my, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't, that's not a red flag to me. What's a red flag to me is if they lie about it. You know, because like, for if I go to a Taekwondo studio and they're up front and they say, I'm going to get my black belt in two years. Well, that's my standards for what I think that is good or not. Do I sign up after I know this information or don't I? That's on me. I made that decision. You know, same thing with contracts. People always get after people for contracts. They say, well, anybody who makes you sign a contract is a McDojo. That's not true. It's not true right. at all. Yeah. You're signing the contract. Mm -hmm. They're not right. shoving it down your throat. You're making a decision. Your hand has to grab a pen to agree. So, like, there's nothing wrong with that, again, as long as they're upfront and honest. Now, do I think that it's going to change the dynamic of being a black belt and having a black belt? Because I think those are two different things. You know, I can buy one. I can go to Amazon right now. I can have one shipped to me, two fifty. You know, I will have a black belt. It'll. I can put it around my waist. I just won't be one because my standard isn't that. And right. so, I think that it's important that you just hold yourself to your own standards and stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. Because again, every art's different, and whatever you're trying to get out of this is what you're trying to get out of this. Some people want that man. I, I need that BJJ black belt. I need to spend that fifteen years dedicated to something. While other people only wanted to lose 50 pounds. Well, shit, yeah. if they're better than they were two years ago and they lost that 50 pounds and they set a goal and they met it, who am I to tell them that they're not a black belt? 
They they set a goal and they achieved it. That's the whole point of the systems. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going from point A to point B. What is point B? Well, for point B, some people, it's just, I need to make a friend. Well, if you do that in that 10 years or that two year span, guess what? You're a black belt at making a friend. You know, like you yeah. did that thing to make yourself better. That's good. That's a good way to look at it. I, <laughs> I'm going to actually think about that some more. Uh, so you got in as a kid. That's when you started. Yeah, man. I started when I was 12. Just nice. thrown into the normal karate. Like my son's in karate now. He's been in for about two years, part of the leadership. So did you know at some point, like, all right, this is what I want to continue doing? Yeah. Um, I, I think I knew almost like in the first week that it's what I wanted to do with my life. I know that that might sound weird. Um, I know a lot of people go like their entire lives not really knowing what it is they want to do. You know, like I, you go to college and you switch your majors like 16 times. Like, yeah. you know, I don't want a liberal arts degree. I want to be an <laughs> artist. I want to paint. Um, you know, but like um, I was one of those people that just as soon as I got there, I really knew what I wanted. But again, I think I was I was goal driven early because all throughout school for me, I was just basically being physically and verbally abused. I was born with a cleft palate. So I have scars on my face. Um, you know, I was going through a lot of surgeries at the time. I was. I was always light, lighter because like when you're, when I was going through a lot of the surgeries, you can't eat 24 hours beforehand. Um, There was times where I was bedridden or I was on like, because I'm having so much done with my mouth that I was having to liquid diets and stuff like that. So I I was skinny. And uh, so, you know, and then going to school and getting the shit beat out of you all the time because you look different um, that, that just molds you into something different. And it was kind of molding me into something I really didn't like. And then I got jumped one day outside a, a gym class in middle school. There was a group of like five or six kids. They stepped on my head. They stabbed me with pencils. They kicked me in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did this while two teachers stood there and watched the entire thing. And the two teachers that stood there and watched, they watched me get beaten for five minutes. Damn. The only reason I remember it was five minutes is because they beat me from the time the bell rang for class to be out and the next bell rang for the next class to be in. Jeez. Wow. Um, and the, the, the reason the teachers didn't stop it, there was some rule going around school at the time where basically teachers were not allowed to intervene in fights. Uh, they had a, a police officer on site and it was his job to break up fights because uh, I guess teachers were uh, getting sued after like intervening in uh, fights. And, Damn. you know, so um, so I got beaten for like five minutes and I remember just laying there bleeding. And, uh, as, you know, I just I couldn't move. I was just fucking done. Um, and then a friend of mine walked up. He was late to the class. And I'm just laying there. Nobody else is helping me. Not the fucking teachers, no other students. He walks up and he picks me up and he hands me a card and it was for karate. And it, dude, it was like the first words out of his mouth were, you need this. It's exactly what he said. I'll never forget that shit. Changed my life. And he walked me to the school nurse. I went to my, you know, I went home and I had to go to the hospital and get, you know, my stuff taken care of. Um, and then I asked my mom who was refused to let me do anything active. She was like, if you do baseball, you'll get hit in the face and it'll mess up your surgery. No baseball. <laughs> if you do football, you'll get, you know, so everything was an excuse. Yeah. And then as soon as I asked her for this, she said, yes. And she gave it to me the very next uh, month. It was my birthday present. And then I just started. I never stopped. That's awesome. Well, I- I've always had this, uh, <clears throat> I guess it's kind of been my pet peeve only because, you know, I see, it happens a lot. So MMA, just in the community, and especially now with the internet, everybody can be a tough guy and you don't know. And, you know, social media, there's good and bads of both. But everyone I ever met, and when I started 
training when I was, I was like 26, maybe when I walked into to Sturgis and I've always sit there like, oh, okay, did you, you know, what was that like for you? Were you scared? I'm always like, yes, the first time I sparred, I can tell you right now who it was with. It was with Lance White who became a, a regional champion here at, in Alabama. Actually, I'm in Georgia now, but he's 41 years old and still fights regionally in MMA. And he's a beast of a dude, but he was meaner than hell. And coach John put me in to see where I was at. And he was like, all right, guys go 50%, right? I don't know what that is. It's my first time. I just wanted to see how, if I can take a punch. And I remember I was like, oh, what do I do? So I throw a little jab and I just touch him. And I could see his eyes light up like, bitch, you went more than 50. <laughs> and he knew the right hand. I never saw it. My eye was close. Like I was, I winced. I did like a timeout. Like, <laughs> you know, I hated it. But when people act like, you know, that they're instantly like, you know, I'm a tough guy fight. And you know that most people, you, you have to learn to even how to take a punch and move with it. It's scary for everybody, right? Were you that yeah. way or did you love to be punched in the face? No, I fucking, I, was, I had about, I was about as anxiety ridden as any human being possible. Like I was, I was tired of getting my ass beat. I want to learn how not to get in the face anymore, <laughs> you know, which I'm glad I'm actually, that's one of the main reasons I'm glad that I started in karate, not just karate, but I started in the karate school that I was with the instructor that I had because he was very open-minded about other arts. And this was, I mean, shit, this is what UFC was not mainstream yet. Yeah. I mean, fuck this 20, 22 years ago, you know? So like back then, you know, it was still very much separated arts. Like, uh, you know, there was karate guys would, wouldn't want to do jujitsu because oh, yeah. it was gay, you know? And the jujitsu guys were like, I bet you will can't kick me in the head because I'm going to double leg take down and you drop it on your head. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like all these arts were so segregated and they still are in a way. It's just not, nearly as bad as it used to be. But one thing that karate does teach you, which if you look at guys like Michael Venom Page, Stephen Thompson, Leota Machida, GSP, karate teaches you how to hit people and not get hit back. Sure. So like you're, you're able to close the distance with maybe a, a lead like sidekick, which is a great tool. If anybody, people like sidekicks don't work, screw you. Sidekicks work well, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a lead like sidekick or you shuffle in, you're able to close the distance so quickly that a lot of guys who are used to standing and trading with you, they can't handle that type of speed because they're used to you standing in front of them. Like Muay Thai, for instance, is usually a lot of that. I stand here, you stand there, and we'll see who's tougher. Karate's not like that. Karate's <laughs> like Raymond Daniels, Michael Venom Page. Okay, I'm going to bounce around. You're going to be very frustrated. You're going to want to chase me. And as soon as you do, I'm going to crack you. And then they do. The guy falls over and they're like, meh. <laughs> then they move on with the day. Um, that's one thing I love about karate. <laughs> Um, no, that's a, that's a huge point of it. I mean, it makes you, uh, and also all the guys I've ever trained with that were karate guys were, it felt like 10 inches longer than their reach because when they learn to use kicks, it you, you could think you're going to be able to close distance on a karate guy because of his size, but if they use their kicks right, they can, you know, gives them a abnormal every art, reach. Every art is so intricate and they all have like their, their, they're good things, right? Yeah. I mean, shit. Everybody downs Aikido. I think Aikido is like 90% garbage, but that like 10% is gold. Like I was uh, rolling with a, a jujitsu guy. He's a guy at the studio I train at. He's a fifth degree black belt in Aikido, but he's a purple belt in jujitsu. And so what he was able to do is take a lot of the wrist locks that he's learned in Aikido yes. and apply that to his jujitsu. So he'll basically like trap an arm to where your arm can't go anywhere like a Kimura mm-hmm. trap or anything sure. like that. And then all of a sudden your wrist is getting yoked up, but there's nowhere else for it to go. 
like yeah. doing that standing, I'd be able to yank my arm out or be able to get free in some way, usually, depending on how the technique is applied. But like when you're on the ground and somebody's got you in side control and you have that arm on the outside just dangling, waiting for it to be submitted, like they, I, he just has an ability to take the two arts and blend them together, which is uh, really, I guess, what we're all striving for, <laughs> you know, yeah. is to be as proficient as we can. So that'll be a nasty evolution as it gets incorporated. Oh, God, yes. Deadly. I mean, people that load their, uh, I mean, the more quivers or arrows in your quiver, the better, right? I mean, you see a lot of these kids now coming up, and especially in MMA, are, are examples of that. They've trained everything, you know? They've, they're so much more well-rounded. But I wanted to ask this question because I don't want to keep uh, Rob forever, and I know you wanted to cover this, Joe. So you've actually had people come after you, threaten you, threaten your life, want to fight you. Real life shit like that has happened, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How was that the first time that that happened? Well, like, so it's happened a few times. And like, I think a couple things have helped me over the years. One, I don't put up with that shit. Like, if you threaten me, if you want to fight me or whatever, if that's how you're going to represent your art, just because you want to fight some dude online, one, you're a douchebag. Right. So I, I have no need or want, I have nothing to prove. I'm mediocre. I'll let everybody know. I'm like, the only thing I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty damn good at nunchucks. Right. And I'm, I'm pretty good at kickboxing. I have a, a pretty extensive kickboxing career. I got, I was on an international kickboxing team for two years called nice. Team Full Circle, where we traveled, went to Canada, went to Mexico, went to Ireland, and I fought all over. So I'm a pretty good kickboxer. I'm not the greatest and I'm getting older. But I can still do stand up fairly well. And I'm really not great at jujitsu. I've been doing jujitsu for like nine years and I'm about as mediocre as possible. Um, you know, like the, the, the thing about this is there's more to this than kicking and punching people. And so if I lead that example and say, OK, well, I'll fight every douchebag who wants to kind yeah. of fight me. That's not setting the example I really think we should be setting, to be honest. Like it's perpetuating the stereotype that all guys who do mixed martial arts or martial arts in general are just thugs who want to fight people. Yeah. That's not, right. there's, this is bigger than myself. Now I don't get that choice. Sure. Whenever, whatever decisions I make, there are a lot of people, as a matter of fact, last time I checked over half a million people who follow my pages. So whenever I make a decision, I have to make a decision based off of the brand, based off of myself and based off of anybody who looks up to things that I said. Mm-hmm. Now here's the hard part. You have to deal with conflict. You can't just not deal with conflict. I can't just not deal with fire ants because they're eating me. You know what? If I just ignore them, they'll just go away. That whole thing we talked about (laughs) earlier, right? Like they won't go away. So how do you handle that? Well, I always try to handle it as diplomatic as possible. So anybody out there who's worrying about threatening me, just understand this is how this process goes. One, they throw the threat out and I will, I will take it with a grain of salt. Two, the next thing they do usually to escalate this is they'll go directly to my direct messages, my inbox. And then they'll start making more direct threats to me. This is where I get them the option. I say, hey, man, you can stop now or this is going to get really bad. <laughs> and then they 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 usually don't believe me. I go, OK, that's fair enough. I go, I'll give you 24 hours to apologize. This is the same standard I give everybody. You have 24 hours just to say I'm sorry and move on with your life. If you don't, I'm going to rain down on you. <laughs> and then, of course, they they don't believe me. They don't know that I've had studios shut down. I've had three studios shut down in Australia. I've wow. had people kicked out of their organizations before. I've had people stripped of their um, franchise rights. Like, I don't fuck around. That's so whenever somebody comes after me like this, they forget 
that they're not just representing themselves anymore. They're representing themselves, the school that they train at, the affiliation that they train with. They're representing their instructor's legacy. It's not that easy. So whenever they start going that way, okay, I'll handle it as diplomatic as possible. I'm going to contact your instructor immediately. I will let them know. I will ask them this basic question. I say, this person's threatening my life. Is this how you would like your martial arts studio to be represented? Mm. Nine times out of 10, they say no, and they handle the problem. Absolutely. Immediately, right? And I had a dude who was threatening me all the way up until he walked into his martial arts studio. I had already been contacting his instructor that day. His instructor immediately kicked him out of the school. Never allowed mm. him back. Because he's rep- they forget they're representing more than themselves. Sure. And they're bringing their ego and their bravado, and they're, they're tearing down a business is the truth. Yeah. Somebody who worked hard to grow a business and they're representing said business. And now they think that that, that owner is just going to be cool with them making death threats. I think not. Now it does escalate past this. So sometimes this has happened before where I asked the instructor, I asked the studio, Hey, is this how you would like your studio to be represented? Is this how you would like your affiliation to be represented? And then they, they go, you know what? He's going to be him. I go, okay, that's fair enough. So then I take it to your affiliation. I go all the way up past you and I find out who your instructor is. I find out who your affiliation is. And then I talk to them. Now, if I made it all the way up this ladder of being polite behind the scenes without putting you on blast yet, and it still hasn't been taken care of, the next thing I do is I take care of it. I screenshot every threat that you've ever given me, every little detail of everything. I find out what school you went to, what studio you go to, the phone number, the address, everything I can find out about you your students' names, your name, your instructor's name, your affiliation's name, their phone numbers, their addresses, and I post all of that for the world to see. And I let (laughs) them know that you threatened my life. Uh, And then usually I get that, I have yet to not get an apology. (laughs) And I keep them too. I actually keep them like little trophies. Yeah, Um, gangster. Because after that, I no longer want a typed apology. I want your apology on video. And then I keep it. And then whenever I feel like it, I can just pull that little nugget out and be like, remember that time you threatened my life? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, people are like, oh, man, that's not right. But the same people who say that's not right are the people who wanted me to go to those studios and fight people for no reason. Right. So you can't make everybody happy, but there is a diplomatic way to handle this. And it doesn't involve any fist fighting. doesn't need to because that's not how you should be representing your studio or a business. Well, see, that's, that's incredible, by the way. Props to you. That's the most savage I mean, you covered everybody. You give them warning, multiple warnings, chances to correct behavior. And I mean, I think that's a beautiful system. But in the movie that we're that um, you're working on getting made, you know, where you you want to expose these um, fake martial arts and the problems that they create and how they hurt people. Um, and you've, you said in it that maybe they'll even try them on you. Have you had that yet where you've actually uh, had people try shit on you and you're like, bro, that shit's garbage. Yeah, I, I had, I've had it happen twice. Um, so we, we already started filming a little bit. So we, we already, we, we did some test runs just to see how it would go. Like how, excuse me, how willing would they be to like allow us to film and all that stuff amazingly well. And like, Great. there's a couple perks, like a lot of times if they like do their seminars in public, <laughs> like they don't really have a choice. Like I can just film you any damn way. Yeah. Like, right. okay. Um, but I had it happen to me when I was like 15 years old, there was a gentleman who was actually friends with my instructor. My original instructor was master Lee Barton. Um, and 
he was friends with a guy named Jack Hogan. Now, Jack Hogan runs Hogan Karate International. Now, the last few years, I think two or three years ago, Jack Hogan has passed away. So I would say this whether he was alive or not. So if anybody out there is don't talk bad about a dead dude, I'd talk about him the same way if he was alive. Uh, But in any case, so he walks in with my instructor and they were homies. And my instructor knew that Jack Hogan like had a very extensive martial arts background, but also was into some weird shit. He was into the whole no touch knockout stuff or the one touch knockout stuff. And, you know, even though like he didn't believe in any of that, they were still friends, you know, mm-hmm. like, so we all got friends who got weird shit and we just let it slide. Sure, right. Now. Absolutely. So I, um, I was cleaning cause I worked at the martial arts studio. So I'm cleaning off a countertop that it was like a, had belts and stuff at the very front of our studio. And they walk in after having lunch. And then uh, they were talking and he goes, hey, I want to introduce you. This is Jack Hogan. I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And they start talking about a technique that Jack Hogan had been working on. And Jack, or my instructor being the instructor that he was and kind of being a little bit of a, a savage and kind of being a prankster. He goes, why don't you try it out on Rob? <laughs> and I'm like, you're the only person in the building. I'm like, OK, being a naive kid, listening to everything his instructor says. Uh, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So he takes his hand and he cups it like in the shape of a seat. Or like the same way you would like scoop water out of a lake. Yeah. Drink. And he commences to slapping the shit out of the back of my neck as hard as he can. I mean, it was hard. Just, oh, uh, yeah. and he slapped me so hard. It hurt. It stung. But yeah. I wasn't dazed. I wasn't even close to being knocked out. It was just like, ow. Yeah, that's and then, What are you doing? Yeah. And then so he uh, he looks at, at Lee and he goes, man, it. I don't know. This one must not have worked too well. He goes, Lee goes, why don't you try it again? And before I could be like, no, he just out of me and bow, slaps me back. And I was like, dude, cut that shit out. That hurts. Right. And, and like, he genuinely thought that like, at first I thought that maybe it was a prank, but as I think about it over and over again, like the, I remember looking his eye, he genuinely was shocked that I didn't just fall down. Like I wasn't a big kid. I was a skinny teenage kid and I didn't go down. And um, it wasn't because I was tough. It wasn't because of that. It was because that crap just doesn't work, you know? And so that was me at 15. That was my first experience dealing with anything like that. And then we fast forward to earlier this year around June, and uh, I got the chance to film a Tai Chi seminar. Um, And when I was there, I kind of already had done my research about who these people were, and I already knew they were into some really hokey stuff. So I show up with my camera crew, and we're there. We're shooting B-roll footage. It's beautiful too, by the way. It's yeah. like uh, L.A. has like a dog park that's like at um, somewhere over there where it overlooks the Hollywood sign. Yeah, oh, wow. it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And then so they showed up, and when they got there, we were the only two people there who were not who didn't show up together with them. So like they all pull up in a black van. The door slides open and like 10 people pour out of this man. And we're the only people who signed up for the seminar who are not already a part of this cult. I was like, shit, <laughs> so much for blending in. So, uh, you know, and then they're all obviously they're still, they're all wearing the logo of like the gym and stuff. And I was like, damn it, I'm standing out like a sore thumb. And so I walk up to him and I was like, hey, you know, we're filming a documentary about different martial arts and yours is a point of interest we'd really like to cover. Um, it's a martial art we haven't really covered that much. Do you mind if we shoot a little footage of the seminar? And he was like, no, you should have let us know about that earlier. Mm. Let's go back to earlier. There was on their website, it cost $150 for the seminar. I paid for it because they can't deny me after I mm-hmm. paid for it. Yep. Okay. So it cost $150. There was no time, date, only uh, there was a date and a location, but the location was LA. 
It wasn't more specific. And there was a day, but not a time. And so like I sent him an email and I was like, look, I'm really excited about the seminar, a long email, like three paragraphs of like his thesis about how excited I am <laughs> to get there. And like, I can't wait. And I have all these questions and Hey, also I have a camera crew rather than answering any of the questions I asked. The only thing that they wrote back in the email was the time and the exact location. That was it. That was it. not hi. My name is Steve. Thank you so much. Yeah. None of that. It was time location. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I'll just ask them when they get here. Cause sometimes better to ask forgiveness, not permission. Absolutely. So, so of course the guy's like, no, you can't film. So luckily my camera crew was fucking awesome, which is why I chose them. Uh, the Voto studios, guys, the guys who do the Mexican martial arts stuff, they are real troopers, dude. That's when I knew I wanted to film with these guys. Because yeah, this awesome. camera dude, he was, I was like, dude, what do we, he was like, what do we do? I was like, dude, you're going to film. I don't give a shit what you got to do. Figure <laughs> it out. I was like, but I got to get back over here. It's going to look really fishy if I keep talking to you too long. And so he winds up going and he starts filming from like a canyon. So he like goes uh, higher up this ramp and he's awesome. filming down onto the thing. So he does this the whole time. But I don't know he's filming <laughs> because I don't have any signal on my phone. Yeah. So like I was trying to text him to see if like he was catching any good footage. I couldn't get anything back because nothing was sending. So I was like, wow. shit. Damn. So, so you have no idea what's water. You just got to kind of go through it. Yeah. Just got to go with your gut, man. So like I, I wind up taking the seminar and two hours into the seminar, we did not move. I shit you not. We stood still <laughs> in silence for 20 minutes at a time, holding poses that were not explained. So he was like, he, he starts off and he was like, we did our basic stretches right off the bat. Right. And then all of a sudden, like 10 minutes after that, he goes, okay, let's go and get started. We're going to go through these poses or positions. I forget how he put it, but basically you just hold yourself in one position and you don't move. And he didn't let me know. I'm the new guy. He didn't let me know how long we'd be doing it. So we stood there holding these positions for 20 minutes at a time in silence. And so that alone is really creepy. <laughs> so like, <laughs> all right, 20 minutes goes by and then his phone beeps. And then I'm like, all right, well, what does that mean? He goes, okay, let's go and move to the next position. And we did that for two hours, God, 20 Jesus. minutes at a time, not moving a muscle, stand there in silence. 150 bucks. 150 bucks. And then, of course, this is in L.A. and like in June. In a dog park, there's no shade, dude. It's hot as shit. Yeah. So like, and my lower back is killing me, dude. Like, we're just not moving. So all of a sudden, he's like, two hours later, he goes, okay, let's go ahead and take a break. So I, all right, cool. I'm going to grab some water and check my phone. Still no service. And then I see one of his instructors take a drink and then stop and just look straight up. And I was like, huh, I wonder what he's looking at. And then I looked up. I was like, fuck, he sees my cameraman. Oh, so he goes all the way up this ravine and goes, or the, the canyon thing, and goes up and talks to the guy. Well, my camera dude was Johnny on the spot, and he switched out the tapes for the B-roll we had filmed earlier. So, like, he was like, look, I'm just filming B-roll like we said. And, like, the guy left him alone, goes back right. down and finished. We do another two hours. And then during this time, I was able to take my wireless mic. I was able to put it out so that way we got great audio. And the guy was like, he he alluded to basically aliens being a part of the thing. So, uh, wow. he was like, yeah, <laughs> um, humans can only reach level seven. I was like, all right, well, you just said some crazy shit all at once. So let's dissect what you just said. So <laughs> he goes, first of all, you said humans have only been able to reach level seven. Yeah. Well, how many levels are there? He goes, there are 10 levels to this art. And I go, well, how do you know? Yeah, well, yeah, well, like, <laughs> well, who else can reach level 10 if humans can't? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, are we talking extraterrestrial? I don't know, man. You got to let me know. So we're talking and he just like starts talking just utter nonsense. But the way that they speak is so arrogant. Mm -hmm. It's like 
nothing they say, everything they say is said so factually that people who are weak-minded, you can definitely see them falling for this crap. This uh, we'll tone. And so he started talking about chi generation and you should feel the palms of your hands being warmed up and all this. I mean, it's, it's basically a magic show. But what killed me is there were two surgeons there, two doctors who were joined in in this crap. And they were all about it. So that's interestingly, have you seen the the documentary on uh, Bikram Yoga? No, 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 but I want to. It's on my saved list. I want to see that bad. It's incredible. Joby, too. If you haven't seen it, watch it on Netflix. Yeah, I need to. Guy, I've never seen anything like it. The stuff, (laughs) I I had no idea. He just like you just said that he could say something and it's so arrogant that you believe it. (laughs) You believe it. I mean, he started a whole movement. Charisma tell reporters and stuff. There is not a more aware person on earth than me. And he believes the shit. And so people believe him. So weird. Like psychology of people, people have their preconceived notions of like, oh, I would never fall for this, or uh, you know, I'd punch a guy in the face if he did that. And then when they're in it, they they never do it, you know. (laughs) Of course. It's well, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going to happen when you get there. You know, when you're standing in front of these people, like one thing I didn't expect to, to tell you the truth was when I got there for the thing that the seminar that I was doing, this dude was huge. I mean, he was like maybe seven, one, 350 wow. pounds. He was a big, big guy. And so like, you know, a lot of people like to talk crap about Seagull, talk all this crap about Steven Seagull. What you forget is even though the guy's kind of an arrogant douchebag, right? <laughs> Even though he's been convicted of like what he's been accused of what molesting other mm-hmm. actors, he's been uh, oh, yeah. of assaulting other actors on set, right? Even though this guy might not necessarily be the nicest guy, right? He's still a big dude. Even yeah. though he's been eating these sandwiches for the last couple of years, don't forget that this dude actually can kind of fight a little bit. Oh, so- there's footage of him from back in the day, for real, for real, right? Like, yeah, man, the dude's a uh, the dude is like. Kind of legit. Now, of course, his ego has gotten the better of him over the years, I do believe, in my opinion. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, he, he I, he's still kind of – he's a big dude who knows some martial arts. I mean, you got to give that some credit. There's still yeah. a reason we have weight classes in MMA, boxing, kickboxing. Size mm-hmm. matters. It's not the only thing that matters, but it does, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you get videos sent to you? Are you just scourging the internet for videos of like the fake, the chi touch, the the death touch, or people like I can block you with my chi? I get both. Like um, now that the page is bigger, I do get quite a bit of stuff sent to me that I would have never found on my own, which I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like stuff pops up and disappears quite a bit now. Um, it that's probably the hardest part about things now is like whenever I post something, it travels much farther than it used to. So like usually that instructor will catch wind and then they wind up trying to block me or, you know, they, they try to take down the videos. Like I post the videos I posted today, I, I do a review. So on my YouTube page, I go back and I like break down a little bit of what these people are, what their art is and all that. Right. And it's been something I've been doing recent, but people seem to enjoy it. So I keep doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I downloaded all the stuff today. I posted on my Instagram and I moved on with my day. I come back just a few hours later to do my breakdown and that entire page has been taken down. Like oh, it was like the page was there, but all the videos have been taken down. Yeah. So, you know, like the, the word travels. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I want to make sure everybody knows like, all right. So 
you start the Instagram page and, um, you know, you're posting all these cool videos and kind of exposing the untruths of, of martial arts, but you've wanted to, as it's grown and, and your following is bigger, you want to make a movie, a documentary, mm. and you don't have an agent or, you know, you're just a normal guy that's, that's been into martial arts. You don't have like a direct line to Netflix or anything. Mm. And so weren't you doing like a crowdfunding at first or are so you still? We're, we're actually, we're doing pretty good with what we've done. So the, the original goal is still our goal now, which was if we can't get it pitched and picked up and basically like fronted, then we'll do it by crowdfunding. So um, right now we actually got two fantastic leads. I was able to pick up a producer, a legitimate, he's uh, won over 10 awards for his movies and TV shows. Awesome. Um, so uh, we got a great producer. I have a meeting with him tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. Then we picked up uh, a guy named uh, Chris Gethard. Um, he had some some roles in Broad City. He had he had a, uh, some roles in um, uh, The Office. He had nice. his own show. Um, so the dude's been around for a long time. So we're wanting to bring him on as a consultant uh, to kind of add a little bit more comedy and levity to it. Nice. As you know, like, you know, I can crack jokes and stuff like that, but like he's a professional at it. So I'm right. You know, I'd rather have somebody who can come in and maybe see some things we don't see. So with those two leads, luckily, they both have direct lines from agencies to be able to try to pitch things. That's and awesome. So because of those two people, that that's actually opened humongous doors for us right now. So it looks like we'll at least be able to pitch. Now, let's say hypothetically, which happens all the time, we go to pitch and nobody wants it. Nobody wants to pick anything up. Nobody decides it's for them. Right. We get shut down. Then we'll just crowdfund on our own. And so our crowdfunding, if that happens, we'll start in January. Awesome. And then um, we'll just do it ourselves. <laughs> like we can, we can do everything on our own and we get hundred percent creative control and then we get all the profits at the end. Okay. Um, but I yeah. just don't think we'd be able to make the movie we want to make, you know? Yeah. But what I love about it is your trailer that you uh, partnered with the, the guys that you want to have make it or that are going to make it right. The, um, what was his name? Moto Studios. Yeah. Yes. From Vincent. Yeah, um, man, man, that's a homie. I loved his, like, he's straight up, he's like, we're going to make the movie. We're going to make it. Like, you know, this is, mm -hmm. is going to be done, which I think is awesome. Um, but, yeah, that's, dude, I love it. I can't, I, I hope you guys get the, close the deal soon. I hope so, too, because I just want to film, man. <laughs> I just, I like, we've been storyboarding for a year. <laughs> you know, it's like over a year of storyboarding and trying to like figure out who we want to talk to and what would make the most coherent story and what would help just like, what are the big nuggets we want people to take away from this. I mean, people have definitely suggested that we turn it into a documentary series and I'm all for that. But the only problem is, is that sometimes those things fizzle. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but uh, if we knock a documentary out, we can hit all the big bullet points we really want to make. And that's forever, you know, right. like not fade as much. Um, yeah. A series too, you'd have to, wouldn't you have to worry about eventually people would stop letting you in? The word would be out like, no, don't fuck with this guy. He's going to, he's going to sink you. Well, I mean, I, I take it. I think one of the, one of the pluses of the position that I'm in is I'm like, I think most people in the fact that I am highly curious, you know, I just, I just want, there's so many questions to ask. And I, I have no ego in the game. Like, I don't like if, if, you, if that's what you want to do with your life, I say do it. You know, if that it makes you happy to fall down because somebody has told you to, 
then I mean, if that makes you happy, I say do it. What I don't want is I just don't want people who don't know about that, who are not aware that that's going to happen to them to be manipulated that way. If the people are going to do that, I want them to have their right mind about them. So that way they go, okay, this is my decision to go dress up like a ninja and play in the woods. All right, that's cool. (laughs) Instead of being manipulated into doing it. Right. Um, Have you, are you open-minded to like, which I'm sure you are, but would you be willing to, if you had your doubts about something and went in and was actually like, holy shit, there's some merits to this. You would report that that all the time. Like, damn, (laughs) I thought this was all bullshit. Some of this shit's legit. Yeah, like um, like I, my my opinions about Aikido over the years have changed, um, mostly because of like dealing with Aikido practitioners who were able to use some of it. Again, I still say back in the day I'd say ninety nine percent of it's bullshit. <laughs> now I say ninety percent. So you got, you got the extra <laughs> yeah, 90%. sure. Um, but you know, like I think that a lot of this, and whenever you start putting like a when we we did a rebranding. And so back in the day, it was a lot more sarcastic, I guess you could say. The goal, mm-hmm. like we were sarcastic more about what we're doing mm-hmm. until I realized, like, this is affecting people, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. a lot more than I really thought it was. Like, I'd have people sending me messages, like, who left their studios because of something I posted. Um, I have messages about people thanking me because, like, they started martial arts because of the page. Like, and then I started thinking, man, like, there's a lot more to this than us just laughing. You know, like, this is affecting people. So... Mm-hmm. What what's the goal? What is your mission statement? I had to ask myself because back in the day, it was uh, the the greatest martial arts in the history of ever was our tagline, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that's sarcastic. <laughs> Obviously, these aren't yeah. the greatest martial artists. But then I was like, what's the goal? What is my re- what is the real purpose of what we're trying to accomplish here? And the real goal is keeping things legitimate. Mm-hmm. And luckily, legitimate is very interpretive. And so what might be legitimate for one person might not be legitimate for another person at all. But that's kind of the beauty of martial arts. If you think about it, like if somebody decides they want to go the karate route and become a stunt man, somebody who's going the fighter route and becoming an MMA fighter, those two guys might have completely opposite tastes and what they think is legit. One guy is going to go off into Hollywood. He's going to make a million dollars as a stunt man and can't fight his way out of a paper bag. But maybe he inspires a hundred, maybe 200,000 people to start martial arts. Does that make him not legitimate? Yeah. You know, right. like, fuck, look at Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a made up character based yeah. off of Fumio Demora, but still a made up character. And that one character inspired thousands upon thousands of people to start martial arts. And, you know, like, is, is, is Mr. Miyagi or is Pat, um, what is his name? Pat something. Pat Morita. Pat Morita. Pat Morita. Is is his effect in the martial arts not legit because he can't kick and punch right? That's legit. He still affected you, you know. Like, yeah. so I think it's important that people like have a little bit more of an open mind about the shit. Like, just because that person can't fight their way to a paper bag does not mean they can't change somebody's life or affect somebody in a positive way through the martial arts. Yeah, right. That's so true, right. man. I mean, it, it, I think a lot of us that have done any martial arts at all get. Uh, I think it's an ego thing, right? Probably for most of us. And I'm saying me because I'm guilty. But, you know, you make a good point that, you know, if somebody goes into a studio of anything, whatever it is, and, that, you know, they're not trying to be a competitive fighter, but they want to, you know, they're say they're obese and they lose weight and they don't learn really much of shit about fighting, but they lost 30, 40 pounds. And that's life changing, you know, exactly. legit as, as fuck for their goal. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
I know I get lost in the weeds with that shit a lot on things that I'm like, there's no way that's legit. I mean, I'm with you, like your old way about a keto. I'm like 98% so <laughs> and 90 makes me want to, you know, yeah. look great in the movies. Yeah, man. Uh, and again, like that's another example. Like Steven Seagal is another example of somebody whose life choices have not necessarily gone in the most positive way on the outside, you know, but like, again, like in 1980 something, you know, was it hard to kill? Was that yeah. the one? like uh, that comes out? And you like, it was so cool. Dude's working with like legends. I think Dan and Asanto's in that movie. He fights him in the pool hall. Like, yeah. we're talking legendary martial artists. It's like that dude is affecting people and got them to join martial arts. Now, whether or not that was able to stick, like, I, I, you know, there's a universal truth. Some of the best people, the not best, but some of the most influential people on the planet have been complete assholes. It's just the truth. Look at Ray Charles, heroin addict, woman abuser. Made how many people join music industry? Look at Michael Jackson, molesting yeah. kids, right? Yeah. Like fucked up human being, named his kid Blanket, got a pet monkey <laughs> named Bubbles, right? <laughs> Jacked up dude. But guess what? Uh, it affected a lot of people. And so, yeah. like, do we get do we take away his musical credit because of his personality traits? That's, oh, yeah. that's a typical I mean, thing. I don't. Know? I know people that do do that, but I don't. I, I still. I still banged a thriller, goddamn. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie about it. If it I mean, I'm not gonna hang out with Michael. I'm just gonna listen to his music, know, right? Uh, well, I wanted. I have one question that came. A friend of mine wanted me to ask you. That's a big fan, so I hate to do this to you before we go. But he wanted to know who do you think is the greatest true martial artist that's been on done martial arts in a TV or movies? Oh man, in TV or movies, Dan and Asanta, hands down. Like, if we're, if we're talking the greatest martial artist ever, in my opinion, is Miyamoto Musashi. If we're talking uh, the greatest martial artist in TV and movies, I mean, I'm looking at Dan Inosanto as not, he's not, if he's not one of the biggest, he is the biggest wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> MJ didn't fuck with no kids. Yeah, tell that to <laughs> kids that, that, that their butthole itches now because of Michael. Um, but in any case, I digress. <laughs> but you know, but like Dan Asanto has got like he's one of those guys that even now, like what is he in his like late seventies, eighties? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. he's still going and learning new martial arts. He's never stopped. He I mean, the dude's got more black belts than I have fingers, you know, like he just his wealth of knowledge and things that he says and when it comes out of his mouth is just genius. He said if you really want to understand a culture, get to know its warriors, get to know yeah. what they were fighting for. Like warriors are fighting to protect something. And that's how you get to know what that culture was like is directly through their warriors. And I think that that's a really interesting thought. It's true. Like, what are we fighting for? And when we're fighting for things, you know, like you can know a lot about a person based off of what they're fighting for. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Uh, what is a favorite video that you've seen so far or one of your favorite videos that you've put up so far? Um, uh, favorite in terms of what? Uh, it doesn't matter whether it was good martial arts or fuckery where you're like, um, all right, this, this is fucking ridiculous. This is <laughs> um, I do have one that I really enjoy. It's of like, uh, you have to like really scroll back cause I haven't posted in a while, but it's like a ceremony. It seems to be like a belt ceremony for like a, some ninjutsu place. And like the instructors like got these big shoulder pads like in his in his gi, and he looks like Shona off of like the last oh, dragon. God, yes. And um, <laughs> who is the master? <laughs> um, but yeah, so like he looks just 
and it only pans him for like a second. And then it pans to like the people like doing their technique, but it's like kind of like old school Kempo. Like if you ever look at like old school Kempo, like their techniques are named one thing. It'd be like flying dragon technique, but it's like 40 moves all blended together. Um, uh, and like, you know, like can't give, can't give Kempo like a hard, too much of a hard time. It's, it's got all these different off branches. So yeah. there's like some that's great and some that's not, but yeah. man, like to watch these guys just like basically perform WWE moves on each other. <laughs> like it was, it was really, it's really funny shit to me. It's just hilarious. Um, but like, I think that the stuff that I enjoy, like that really brings me joy. Isn't the stuff that like I normally post. It's the ability to post stuff that I don't post. Um, I guess if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, like whenever I don't typically post about people who are child molesters on my page, yeah, I, I try not to, cause really it brings down the levity of everything and yeah. it's a very right. heavy subject, but man, if that, whenever it does become like a forefrontal thing, or somebody's ripping people off or somebody's hurting their students and it's recent, I go after that as hard as I can because I feel like that's kind of the job here. That's kind of what we're doing is to try to stop this kind of stuff from happening. And when it's fresh and like people always are now looking to the page and going, well, what are you going to do about it? It's not me, you jackasses. What are we going to do about it? You know, like the whole point of this McDojo life thing is we build a community around the fact that we all agree that there should be some things we don't tolerate, not just Rob, but everybody who agrees with those particular five standard rules that we set forth, we should do something about it. We should be the ones to go drop their Google reviews down to zero. You know, we should be the ones going on there and making comments on the comment threads, letting their students know, Hey, this is happening. We can do that. The social media is a very powerful tool. You know, did you, did you see the video Rob of, uh, I'm sure you did, but it was, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And it was a kid's uh, like Taekwondo school and they were working on uh, breaking the boards with an ax kick and that kid couldn't get through the board and his instructor was, was cheering him on and all the kids were rooting for him and he was crying. He was saying he couldn't do it hard enough and he finally got through it and all the kids were like, you know, screaming his name and the instructor was so great. So when you see like videos like that, do you post those too? Another one. Sometimes, yeah. Picking. I love stuff like that. I posted a video of, um, cause I mean, kids are kids, man. Like yeah. if you're going to, if it's kind of like if I use the ice without refilling the ice tray, what, what else do I have left to post? Like I For might sure. just being a complete dick, <laughs> you know, it's like that. <laughs> my job. No, like you got to lift up the community too. You know, like I always try to give respect Whenever I know somebody who has passed away in the martial arts, I try to give respect on the page. Good friend of mine recently passed away. I tried to give him some respect on the page. It, it stands out like a sore thumb, but I think by now most people kind of get it. Um, sure. But, you know, there was a great one. It was one of my favorites. Um, maybe you can go find this one. It, it really kind of teared me up. <laughs> um, but it was a kid who was in his karate class, and his, his instructor knew that his father had deployed. And so he blindfolds the kid and says, Hey, we're going to do blindfolded sparring. Oh, and God, so, I've seen it. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, like he, he changes positions with his dad. And so the instructor moves out of the way. And then the kid starts sparring with his dad, not knowing it was his father. Yep. And then, so the father gives him advice, like keep your right hand up or something like that. And then the kid like stops for a second and you can just tell that he like recognizes that voice, even though he probably hasn't heard it in over a year and a half to two years. 
And the second he takes off his blindfold, he fucking balls his eyes out. Just so <laughs> genuinely happy to see his father. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful moment in the martial arts. That's a beautiful yeah. thing. Now that yeah. could have happened anywhere. It could have happened baseball, football, but it didn't. It happened in a dojo. It happened. Uh, an instructor set that moment up to be able to have that beautiful moment with a student. I mean, if you're an instructor, like being able to provide at least one of those moments to all of your students is an amazing thing. You know, that's yeah. a good instructor. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that one got me too, man. That one was tough to watch. I mean, there's, I wish I knew his name. I'm, I'm, I'll look it up and try to get it to Joe for the show notes, but there's an instructor um, and it's uh, an inner city karate school is all I remember. So it was majority of black students, young black men. And this instructor is so good and so powerful. And one of the, the kids is, is crying. He did. He doesn't want to hit hard. And the instructor's just giving him, you know, so much more than a instructor. I mean, he was life lessons, coaching, helping these kids see the, you know, the true value of martial arts. And, you know, when you see that, uh, my thing for parents, I'm, I'm very pro martial arts for, for kids, especially, I don't care anything about me. My time, you know, is done and I'm old, but it can change and shape a kid for the rest of their life. You know, that power is huge for instructors. Definitely. It's why I continue to do it, man. It changed my life. You know, the cliche as it sounds, but it truly did. It gave me a path, gave me an outlet as a, especially as an angry kid. It gave me an, an, an an option for violence. Like one thing that kills me is when, you know, I, I, I'm trying to make sure that I say this correctly, but everything in your kitchen can hurt you or kill you, mm-hmm. right? You have forks, you have knives, you have stoves, you have microwaves, and you have what outlets in there. Anything in there could probably potentially kill you, right? But the reason that it doesn't is because we're given a path and we're told what those things are for. We're saying, hey, the fork is for your food, not your eyeball, right? (laughs) The knife is for your food. It's not for the socket, right? You don't put metal in the microwave or you're going to blow the goddamn house up, right? Don't leave the stove on and don't put your hand on it, right? So kids are taught all of these things. They're taught these. They're taught that there's a time and a place for these tools. But then these kids who have this like anxiety or they have this like this violence that's building up in them from whatever the reason may be, whether it be chemical or whether it be because of their surroundings or their upbringings, they're taught that they're not allowed to, to put that anywhere. Right. And so what martial arts does is it helps them understand what, how to use the utensil. It helps them understand how to use the tool. There's a time and a place for this, how to use it, when to use it. Right. And so as a martial arts instructor, your job is to teach them when to use it. No, no, sorry. I apologize. I take that back. You're, I got it backwards. Your job is to teach them how to use it. Yeah. As a martial arts instructor, your only job is to teach them how to do this thing, right? Then you do look at parents, right? And then you go, the parent's job is to teach them when to use this tool and to use this skill. Now, some kids don't have that. They don't yeah. have that parental figure in their life. They may have something going on at home. They may not have somebody giving them that guidance. That's when the martial arts instructor can also step in and help them with that. But really, their actual job is to teach them how to do this activity. And then everything else is kind of up to the parental figure on when they're allowed to do this. But teaching kids or adults even that there's no time and place for aggression is a great way to have them have a fucked up life. There is always a time and a place for everything. And when you tell somebody, hey, man, there's no time and place to be aggressive ever. 
Well, welcome to fucking hippie fairy tale land <laughs> itself. Like that's not true. Imagine somebody you everybody sings that fucking drum circle bullshit until somebody busts in your house and starts trying to hurt you, or somebody puts a fist in your face. What do you do? We're gonna sing kumbaya to the dude? No, time and place. Okay, you're putting your hands on me. I have to make a decision now. Do I keep continuing to get this ass whooping or do I let some of those $150, $200 martial arts classes that I've been taking come into effect? I think it's a good time for those, you know? Yep. Well, that, that's interesting. And I got one story or one anecdote for that, you know, um, Gunnar, my son that does jujitsu and professor Fabio Costa, we talked about him earlier. He's his professor. Um, he started jujitsu at three and when he was in pre-K, so he's like four and a half at the after school program, they bring kids from elementary school. And there was a first grader one day that was sitting on my son, like pinning him on the ground in the playground, sitting on it. They wouldn't let him up. And he was like, you know, fighting to get him to let me up, let me up. And uh, he wouldn't let him up. And so Gunnar sweeped him, punched him in the nose. Right. And, he didn't get in trouble. What happened when I picked him up, the teachers made me sign an incident report, which I was happy to do. They saw the whole thing and he didn't start it. And he was, you know, he couldn't breathe. The kid was sitting on him. And so, you know, we went back to jujitsu and I was talking to Fabio about it. And, uh, Fabio was fantastic about it. You know, he even talked to him about the pros and cons of, but he basically said what you just said. He was like, you know, you had to make a decision. You know, thankfully we've learned, you know, the basics enough that you need to, how to sweep them to get them off of you. And it was great. I mean, I never had a problem with, with, he never got in trouble from me or his mom for that situation. And that's the only time he's ever used it. Yeah. I mean, most people will probably only use it once if ever, you know, and that's, that's a good thing, you know, cause you're mm -hmm. doing it again, time and place, you know, yeah. Monday through Friday or Saturday, where however yeah. your training schedule is, that's the time and place usually, you know? Yep. Yeah, I know my son had an issue with the bullying thing, and we went to his uh, instructor and asked, like, can you talk to him, like, find out what to do? And he asked us, like, well, how do you guys feel about it? Oh, no, he has every right to defend himself. Like, you give the kid the warning, and then if it doesn't stop, defend yourself. There's no need for that. And he agreed. He's like, you're never going to get past that if you just let it keep going. Yeah. Yeah, just it's like uh, somebody – uh, there's like an old saying, you know, like I, first of all, I hate the word bullying. I think the word bullying is the stupidest ass word ever made um, because it, it takes things that it takes real words that have real solutions and turns them into a, a problem that has no solution. So like, for instance, if somebody has, uh, commits assault or battery on you, those are against the law, <laughs> you know? And so there's law against that. But as soon as you call it bullying, there's no law against it. Right. You know? It's just ridiculous. Or if somebody stalks you, there's anti-stalking laws. You call it bullying. Hey, we can't solve the problem anymore. I just, I hate, because I think the word is overused. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, oh, it's so true. It's really, really rough though, especially for kids. Like, you know, that they're put in these positions, especially nowadays with all the, all the rules and all the, the hindrances upon them at, to what they can and can't do. Or they're getting a lot of different information from like moms and dads and then they're going to school and teachers are telling them completely opposite information from what they've grown up learning. And so they have this like mixed message going on in their head of like, well, do I turn the other cheek or do I do something about it? And that's not something you really want to have to think about when someone's being physically violent with you, you know? Right. Oh, shit. It's dude. awesome. I, man, I, man, I could chop this shit up all night. It's, <laughs> I love it. It's it's amazing, but I want to do uh, 
I don't know how long you're wanting to go, Joe, but I want to give, do we want to give uh, Rob the opportunity to give all the shout outs and ways they can reach and all that good stuff? Yeah, I just have uh, one other thing. I have seen the a, a force push once in my life. <laughs> I went uh, camping with the friends that we go to some island and <laughs> my friend just got there. I mean, they're just standing next to each other and he looked over and just the flinch and the guy went falling back, knocked over every chair and my friend just screamed out, I've been training for five years for this. And I was like, oh, shit, he actually got him. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I again, I could talk about this. I'm dude, I'm so glad you guys came on. Uh, I think the only other thing is I wanted to know was how was that feeling of getting that Rogan bump? There was one time where he retweeted one of my tweets. It was something about like some alien thing like a while ago. He retweeted it once and then my phone blew the fuck up like it was having a seizure. So I could only imagine when he name dropped your page, how much you ramped up. Well, I mean, I've been very fortunate. Like it's something that comes up quite a bit. And like me and him are not like homies. Like we haven't had like these long conversations or anything like that. Um, you know, he has been extremely cool to me. I have to say, um, he seems like a very humble individual because he never seems to really want credit for the nice things that he does. Like he helped out, uh, Miriam Nakamoto with, with her knee. That was incredible. Um, that's huge. I mean, that's just a great thing. He didn't want anything for it. He just wanted her to get better. Um, you know, like with my page, he's talked about it a couple times on his show. Um, he's, he shared my stuff every once in a while. I'll just be living my life and all of a sudden it'll get shared again and my phone won't stop vibrating. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I'm, I'm very grateful for that, you know, and I think that, you know, how I like to put it to people is I have a really hard work ethic. And so I work really, really hard at my page. I work really, really hard to make sure I can continue to do this for a living, um, which I've been able to do so for about a year now uh, based off of my social media, you know, yeah. like, so it's, it's really, really nice to have those bumps and stuff like that. It's a nice high five. But it really, I, I'm just not going to lie, it, it just doesn't compare to, like, a daily grind. I mean, it, it doesn't. Like, to me, like, when I'm, if I'm in jiu-jitsu and you get that, like, like let's say Master Carlos Gracie Sr. or Jr. walks in. I think Sr. may have passed. Yeah. Has he passed yet? Yeah. He passed. But, like, let's say Master Carlos Gracie Jr. walks in the room, which I have gotten to take a seminar with him, which is awesome. And he, like, gives you a compliment. You know, that makes you feel really good right it feels oh, awesome I can't but it's not compared to the feeling that you get of like looking back over like a 20-year career and going man i earned this you know and so like i i as as grateful as i am and a super appreciative for the fact that he's done that it always is appreciated i always say thank you like it really just does not compare to like being able to look back over a career and like be able to see like all these messages that I've saved of people who have said, thank you for helping me or like the, the fucking Christmas cards that I used to get draw hand drawn from students that say yeah. coach Rob or sensei Rob, like, you know, so it's cool. It really is. But like, it just, it's, there's just something, it's something missing from it. Like it just, that's not the real gratification part. The real gratification is like when you did the shit yourself, when you like got up and you look back and you go, you know what? I did get an extra 50,000 followers from this person. But you know what? That other two hundred thousand—that was me. I worked, right. you know. And so, yeah, it's it is fucking cool though. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like, um, and here's another thing about how cool this dude is, right? So anytime he does like share or post or anything, I always say thank you. I rarely get a response back, right? It's just mm -hmm. we move on with the day. But I remember one time for my birthday. It was this last April, 
and I wanted to get tickets to his show that was going to be in Atlanta. And it happens to coincide with the Israel versus gasoline fight that happened. Oh, I, didn't, yeah, that's I wasn't even thinking about it. And so I, I went to go buy tickets and they sold out the day they came, they went out for sale. It's like, fuck, I missed, missed the tickets. So I, I sent him a direct message and I said, Hey, I was just curious if any of your, if you're going to be doing more ticket sales for your show, maybe another night, or maybe, you know, sometimes they expand the auditorium to add more seats. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he was like, no, they're all sold out. And I was like, eh, you know, it happens. Yep. And then he was like, but Hey, I just got you two tickets. I was oh, like, dude. really? I was like, thank you so much. And it happened to be my birthday weekend. So I go, I enjoy the show. It was great. Um, which is really funny. Cause like at the end of his show, he does like a Q and a thing, which is yeah. kind of interesting. So I stand up and he actually selected me not knowing who I was. And I kept trying to ask my question, but a lot of the audience members were drunk. So yeah. every time I tried to ask my question, somebody would yell and interrupt. And oh, so like, finally I was just like, fuck it. And I sat down. Um, but then the next day I'm having lunch and I looked down at my phone and he was like, Hey man, are you going to be staying for the UFC? And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't have any tickets. He's like, well, I got you two tickets. They're waiting. Damn, a little dude. And like, again, like he just did it to be a good human, to do something nice. He didn't ask for anything back. I mean, there's nothing I guess I could really give other than my appreciation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not like he wanted, like it, he didn't do it because he wanted me to say thank you. He did it because he wanted to do it, you know? So that's, that's, that stuff's really, really cool. You know? powerful joe rogan right there that is legit hey next time you're in atlanta you gotta hit me up bro that's my hometown it's where i'm at man yeah man my one of my main sponsors is there i was actually there this last week uh kill cliff they're uh oh, they're my, main, stuff. my main sponsor shit's delicious um but yeah i was there um taste testing their new cbd product that just came out so How that was it? pretty cool it's delicious dude they have a they have a new grape uh the orange one's been out for a little while that was like i guess their test run but yeah. now they have like a mango a peach and they have a grape that just dropped and be, like because of the cbd like you can kind of you can taste the cbd it mixes with the drink really well it tastes amazing it's like my favorite stuff i love it dude that's all awesome. looking up we, uh, do, we have another mutual friend. i just want to shout him out robin black we talked about that beforehand i love that guy i'm almost like a super fan of robin black he just just i just love him his energy man there's something about him I want to be his friend just because he's, I don't know. He's just so likable to me and he does such a good job and he loves what he does. You can feel it, you know, and all of his breakdowns and shit, when people are passionate, you know, to me, I can, I, that's what matters to me. And you can tell he is. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's, he's probably one of the coolest dudes I've met. And then you can even tell online, like whenever somebody like tries to throw a jab at him or try to like verbally assault him in some way, he like as he's just as cool as a cucumber with that kind of stuff. It doesn't yeah. bother him. He doesn't he doesn't get into these conflicts with people. Like you know, sometimes I just get bored, so I just I'll go to <laughs> go with somebody. Just like I'm like, oh, I ain't got nothing else to do today, so I'm just like <laughs> floating the pool and picking somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah, shout out to Robin Black. Love that guy. He yeah, uh, fantastic. Yeah, he's awesome. Love him. Um, well, my last question and we'll be done is what? So how do you rate Rogan's? Uh, power kicks what do you think oh, okay. we've all seen the footage of him kicking no he, he kicks fucking hard from what i can tell now obviously it's on film you know mm -hmm. but you can gather a lot of film like anybody who can fold a double end or um a heavy bag in half with a, a spinning side kick <laughs> that's hard even with a round kick i've seen him fold them in half he can kick um but then again you have to understand like it's anybody like that 
just fascinates me. Like look at Jocko, um, Echo Charles, look at um, uh, The Rock, you know, like look at look at these people who are extremely um, successful. They're they're not lazy. They have multiple talents. And the reason they have multiple talents is because they set multiple goals for themselves and they get they they don't want to get stale. So they keep setting new goals and new challenges. So for Rogan, I guess when he was younger, it seemed like Taekwondo was like something that was really big in his life at the time. And that was a challenge and a goal. And he just he was able to get himself to a very specific level with it. And now he just mixes it in with the other things that he's learned. And of course, he's a martial artist, you know, like there are some people who I guess you could say are a little bit more philosophical with their martial arts. Right. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who go out there and grind at it and they work at it every day. And the dude, what one thing that says a lot about that, especially in in particular about him as a martial artist, not just as who he is in his life, but um, the dude has all this money, right? And he has a studio. He does very well for himself. He's very successful. Everybody knows who he is. I think I've heard him referred to as the the, the white Oprah. I've heard that. Um, you know, and all of that. And the dude still has a martial arts studio inside his studio. Like he has his own little martial arts studio. That's how important that is to him yeah. is that with yeah. all this money, he still took the time to put a bag in there put some mats down because he still wants to train that says loads about somebody yeah i agree oh shit man this has been awesome rob i can't thank you enough i know joe can I, we really appreciate you i mean just giving us an hour and a half of your time is fucking awesome no not a problem man i love talking shop any you know like and like i told you before anybody else out there who may have a podcast or whatever like I'll just do it. <laughs> like I don't like I don't think I'm that important. <laughs> so like I don't have, you know, if I have time, I'll just squeeze it in, man. I'll I'll schedule it. Like I always believe that you'll you'll make time for things that are important to you. Well, martial arts is important to me. The community is important to me. Now whether it's a big podcast or whether cuz I, you know, whether it's I've been on bigger ones or smaller shows or whatever, I don't care. Like I I'm not that important. You know, we all start somewhere. Yeah. You know, all of our shows or podcasts or dreams start somewhere. Like, who am I to say no to some shit like that? Like, to, to me, that would be hypocritical to, like, yeah. say that you care about the martial arts, but not care about the individual martial artists, you know? So, like, yeah. if we're talking shop, let's fucking talk shop. I'll talk shop all day long, son. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you came out. And, you, dude, you are welcome back anytime, uh, especially anytime. once a documentary drops. Yeah, man, I'd love to. Anytime, all y'all do is hit me up, and I'll oh, yeah. make it out. I'm gonna hit you my info, Rob, when you're in Atlanta, man. Definitely, it'd be a good time. Hang out, we'll have a beer or something. Sounds good. I like beer, so we'll make it happen. <laughs> awesome. Well, where all can they? Uh, where all can they find the people that don't know McDojo Life? Um, you can pretty much find me on everything under McDojo Life. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is all McDojo Life. Um, I even have a Pinterest, which I have to clean up a little bit, but. <laughs> um pinterest helps your al algorithm out a lot so um you can find me on there but um you know on youtube right now is where we're really pushing to try to grow um you know luckily even with a lot of like the the, the stuff that's going on with youtube it's not really affecting me um oh, good. a lot of stuff going on in youtube that's affecting people who are doing uh child content or any content that might be geared towards children there's some humongous things that are going on with the government right now so Anybody who's doing child content right now is um, they're on this hot seat. I mean, they could be 
a one video mislabeled could be like, I think a, like a $45,000 fine or something like that. Damn. That's not from YouTube. That's from the, that's from the government. Yeah. So, um, you know, but luckily I do nothing but adult content. Nothing. I think that I post can be construed as a child, like children's content. That's <laughs> way too much. I say way too much of what's on my mind. So I never think I'll have that problem. But, uh, and then the only thing that's not McDojo life is on page or not Patreon, but, um, uh, Reddit. Somebody for some reason went and made a McDojo Life account, but never did anything with it. Not associated with me at all. So I went on and I like, I guess I had a Reddit for like four years, but I just never really used it. Mm -hmm. And so recently I've been like jumping in on that bandwagon too, and it's been going very well. But uh, on uh, Reddit, it's the McDojo Life just because somebody took it away from me. (laughs) Bastard. Randy, you want to let them know where they can find you, sir? Yeah, you know we're uh, well. My regular show, my wife uh, Brooke, you all know that she's the she's the champion of the family. That is uh, at Married as Fuck on Twitter. Uh, that's where you catch Uncle Randy and uh, Brooke, and it's uh, Married AF uh, podcast on Instagram and Married is Married AF podcast on uh, Facebook. Dope. I'm any pod will do on Twitter, Instagram. You know what it is. Uh, check us out. I think we will be back next week, hopefully, for uh, another one. Uncle yep. Randy and myself. Again, Rob, I can't thank you enough, dude. It's been a blast. I We could sit here for hours just talking. Yeah, dude, I love this stuff, and I Absolutely. appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank right. you, Rob. I appreciate it, sir. You're the man. Peace. See you, brother. <laughs> See y'all later. <laughs> Bye, <guys. laughs>